you are in for a treat with today's episode. So Bryn is someone that I started following years ago when she was a sex and love intimacy coach. And I remember hearing her on another podcast and hearing her story and how she burned everything to the ground, even though it seemed really good and it looked phenomenal on paper or from the outside, but she just knew that there was more for her and she knew that she was didn't feel as fulfilled as she had expected to considering all the boxes she had checked. This woman is through and through a trailblazer, which is coincidentally the name of her new podcast that has been released since this episode. We actually allude to it a little bit, her plans for it back when we recorded this three months ago, but now it is out in the world. She's crushing it. She's a part of Soulfire Productions. If you haven't heard of that podcast company, definitely check them out. And I just know that you're going to resonate with some part of her story and how in letting go of good in order to pursue great, it was a roller coaster and a half, right? Like she went through hell and back and now she's on the other end of it and has built up this beautiful life that is just beyond her wildest dreams. So dive on in, make sure to share a screenshot, tag the both of us on Instagram so we can shout you out and enjoy. Human on the Daily, the podcast for anyone wanting to break free of any boxes or expectations and embrace their full authentic self. I am Dr. Megan Daly and I have been there. I've overcome so much trauma, dealt with so many stressors like competing in high level athletics, rigorous academics, getting my doctor in physical therapy, and I did what I should do, right? I climbed the corporate healthcare ladder. And when that didn't make me feel fulfilled, I branched out and opened up my own cash clinic and built it to six figures in the second year. Yet I still felt like something was off when I looked in the mirror and maybe you can relate. So I scaled back and really dove into the questions of who am I really and what is it that I am meant to do? So together in this podcast, we are going to dive into all the tips, tools, and experiences for you to answer those same questions for yourself so you can live your best, most joyful and fulfilled life. Because if you're not doing that, then what the fuck are you really doing? So let's fucking go. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Human on the Daily. Y'all, I am so excited for today's guest. You know those like internet besties that don't actually know you exist and you're just following them along and you think they're the coolest humans? Like, So that is this person. I have followed Bryn for years um, since way back. I think I found you through Alexa originally. And then I love, I've absolutely loved not only hearing your story from before that, but your journey since then. So for People who are listening who may not quite know, like, who the hell is Bryn Dollar? Is that how you pronounce your last name, by the way? Did I nail Close. that? It's like Taylor, but with a D. Taylor. <laughs> Taylor. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so I want to know, kind of looking back, I want to hear a little bit about, like, your story and what brought you to where you're at today, including, like, I'm sure so many expectations were placed on you or imposed on you. And I want to kind of hear how that journey was. Mm. Gosh, I'm like, how far back do I go? <laughs> as far back as you feel comfortable. Yeah, I like leaving that open ended so it can go wherever. Sure. Um, so I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it back super old school. I I grew up and I, I've been a woman who is very 
um, theatrical, dramatic. I always had a flair for the drama. Um, And one of my earliest memories of school was I would go to the playground and I would gather people around me and I would tell elaborate stories that my teacher called lies, but I thought were just really like beautiful stories that I would make up in my mind and my imagination. And so I've always had an affinity for storytelling and, and theater. And I think like many of us who follow the, um, the path of like wanting to fit in and feeling like we belong because it's so primal to want to feel that way. Um, I lost that somewhere along the way, this, uh, desire to, perform on stage because it wasn't the cool thing to do. And so what I noticed uh, after, you know, several years of of wanting to fit in and, and feeling like I never actually fit in and then um, being this elaborate storyteller and getting in trouble for it, that's, you know, how these core memories are formed many times is through getting in trouble for something. And and then all of a sudden shame and blame is now placed on this part of us. And so, yeah, somewhere along the way, I learned that it wasn't okay to be me. And I, I chose popularity and fitting in over the things that I really loved. And that's, I think, a really common story for many women and many people. And then fast forward, that same story just kept perpetuating every so often. So when I was in college, I decided to join a sorority instead of doing what I actually loved, which was reading good books and um, theater and um, just the things that had nothing to do with Greek life and drinking and going out <laughs> late. But I did what I needed to do to fit in again, survival. And then I met my then husband and I just kept following the same pattern no matter where I went. And so It wasn't until year nine out of 10 in my marriage, so spoiler alert, we ended up ending our marriage, um, that I really started to see how clearly I had lost myself for sake of fitting in with the crowd, fitting in with my husband, fitting in with fill in the blank. And I grew a backbone and I, I grew a spine and I started to really go back to that core of who was I before the world told me that it was bad or wrong that I was going to get in trouble for this thing. And so um, actually really recently, I've gone back to my roots of storytelling and it feels so good. It felt like a welcoming home of who I was as a woman to just reclaim that part of me I lost as a little girl. And so the woman I am today is a woman who a lot more effortlessly leads with who I actually am, with what I love, without fear of being rejected. And as a result, I find people like you, women that I love and connect with all over the world um, who've resonated with my story because I dropped the mask and I stopped pretending to be somebody who I wasn't. And sometimes that can be confusing because I think we all wear masks at times. And sometimes we try masks on to see which ones fit. And I'm very chameleon-like. I think most women are because we shed and have a new cycle every 28 days. (laughs) Um, and I've tried a lot of different things in my life. I think the difference is, is knowing when it was an initial fuck yes, 10 out of 10 versus when it's no longer a 10 out of 10 and when to move on. And um, that's a hard dance to dance sometimes of knowing like, when is this no longer serving me? But I think I've gotten pretty good at it. And yeah, here I am today as a 33-year-old that feels like I really fucking know who I am. And that feels really good. It took me a while to get here though. Yeah. And I love how you like the song daydream kept coming to mind 
because there's lyrics in it where it legitimately was like you have all these like dreams and things you want to do in the field and then somewhere along the way someone told you that that was okay and that that was like playing make and you needed to switch it up and i think that there are a lot of women it, may, it, it probably happens for men too i just can resonate more with the women and somewhere it's like late 20s is typically when it seems to happen like mid 20s to early 30s where it's like wait how did i get here and who really am I? Like that, like you said, that process of stripping away the expectations of others and figuring out what you really want. And I love that you brought up that you might need to try on a bunch of different things and just see like, is this it? No. Okay. Is this it? No, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, maybe this one, let's dive into this a little bit more. And so I would love for you to talk a little bit more as someone who kind of is on like, quote unquote, the other side of that and has gotten a good grasp on really when something is a fuck yes versus not so much for, for the woman that's listening and it's kind of earlier on in that discovery, like what's a piece of advice you would give? Mm. I guess it just depends on what kind of discovery are we talking like discovery <laughs> of like purpose, uh, discovery of um, what kind of discovery would you say? So I would say just discovery of like, self discovery. So not necessarily purpose, although I do think it's so hard to differentiate because I think all of these aspects are so integrated, Mm -hmm. but the discovery of being able to recognize yourself and when is it a, a hell yes versus when Mm -hmm. it is someone else's hell yes, that you're just putting on because of an expectation or performance. Sure. I mean, I think the truth is, is that the discovery of self is forever and ever and that we're never done. And so just knowing that it's an ongoing, I I hope personally to be 95, a hundred on my deathbed and still discovering facets of my being. I think that all we can ever do is hope to know ourselves a little bit better with everything that we do in this world. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm just more of the kind of woman that learns through trial and error, but I really lean into personally uh, action, taking action, because I think mm-hmm. it's really easy, and especially in today's society, to just consume, 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 yeah. consume. So thinking that we need to listen to another podcast or read another book or take another quiz to know who we are. But I personally learned through getting my hands dirty, mm-hmm. like getting into something and trying something on. And I think I would like to think that we all just inherently know, like who hasn't had a moment where you're doing something and it just feels like home. It's this familiar, like easeful, enlightened, bright feeling of like the wheels turning and the lights turning on. And um, like for me, when I was, for example, talking about storytelling, like I found a local storytelling community here in Austin and I, it was really brave. It was, it, nerve wracking to go and try a new skill and sign up for a class where I wasn't going to know anybody. And we have to tell stories every week in front of each other. And in a couple of weeks, like I have a showcase where I'll tell a story on stage for people. And like the moment I walked in, I was like, this is exactly where I was supposed to be. And I think that's the feeling that we're searching for is like more of those feelings. And it's going to take going to something else that feels clunky. But I think the main thing to also keep in mind too, is that there's a, a, I don't know if I want to call it a learning curve, more of like the time that it takes for something to click. And 
So I wouldn't say that you can accurately always assess from the get-go that sometimes it takes perseverance and dedication and time for something to feel innate and like home. And so I think it just takes being willing to try, to try things on and to stick with it for probably a little bit longer than you're comfortable. Because if we all gave up after one or two times (laughs) of something being uncomfortable, like we would all suck all the time at everything. And so, yeah, I think it's a mixture of trying things on. And I really like the theme and the idea of going back to who you were before the world told you that you were bad or wrong for it. So for me, that really obvious um, clue was a storyteller. Like I literally would gather crowds at five years old and tell these elaborate stories. And so asking yourself too, like, who were you before a school teacher said that's lying or your mom said, don't do that. Or dad said that's embarrassing Uh, because chances are there's probably a lot of clues from when you were little as to what turned you on and lit you up in the world. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's such good advice as far as if you're kind of all over the board and don't know where to start, start exactly there. Like start in your childhood. Like what did you really enjoy then? And I love, I have a very similar, I'm going to call it a life philosophy called fuck around and find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And just, just try things. I I think you hit the nail on the head where too often, and I think this goes to some societal conditioning of too often we're scared to act because we feel like we need to know more information. We need to be sure Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. we go for something. And it's, it's just stripping away all of that and just being like, let's lean into like, you feel kind of like, maybe you want to do this thing. Okay, go try it. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said too, about some time, because I definitely also think there's something to be said for like, if it is also scary, because I think for a lot of times, like what we're meant to do or what is really going to light us up can actually seem very scary, particularly if we've had stories integrated around it, that it's bad or embarrassing or whatever. So that's, 100%. it's like, it's like this feeling that I call it nerve sided, but if it feels like a mm-hmm. yes and an oh fuck at the same time, mm-hmm. probably that. <laughs> I love that. My best friend used an example once of um, the diving board. She's like, you know, it's a good thing for you when you're on the diving board and you're terrified to jump off, but you really want to versus when you're on the diving board and you're like, there's no fucking part of me that wants to jump off of this thing. Um, that's the difference. Right. And she also talks about, we ran a program together called the dream accelerator where we help women and uh, really anyone find what it is that they're meant to do in this world. And, um, we talk about in that program, how your dreams are perfectly orchestrated to trigger the absolute shit out of you. This is why we see people who are TEDx speakers that talk about how they were crippled by their stage fright. And you're like, how the hell does that happen? And it's, you know, somebody up there is orchestrating this cruel joke that the thing that we love the most in this world is also the thing that can trigger the absolute hell out of you. So, um, and that's certainly been true for me. So I get it. Yeah. No. And, and also as a side note, if you guys are running that in any time soon, definitely send me the link so I can make sure to put that in the show notes so people can Uh, check it. Wonderful. Thank you. I will. Yeah. So I want to, because I know a little bit of your story, but you've had some major like transitions They may or may not, but like, I think like you were a sex coach when I first found you and then, which side note, I don't talk about it as much on the show, but I feel like sexual development is a very integral part of personal development that is often missed or overlooked. 
mm-hmm. because of stigmas X, Y, and Z. So I would love to chat about that, the experiences that shaped you, and then how you got to what you're doing now, which seems really cool with Soul Fire Productions. Totally. So um, I just always really loved change. I, from the time that I was little, it was ingrained in me. My mom and I um, and my brother, we moved a lot. And even within the same city, we just moved homes a lot. So there was always this beautiful embracing of it's okay to completely uproot and to shift and to have new energy. And so I've never been someone that's been afraid of change. In fact, I love it sometimes a little too much. (laughs) And so, um, back when I left my marriage, I was at a place in which I was desperately seeking that knowledge for myself. So, a big part of why uh, there were many reasons why the marriage ended, but when it did end, part of what I, I noticed was that I was really lacking in sexual development. And I also was lacking in radical responsibility. I realized that I, I was very codependent. And as I told you at the beginning of the show, I had lots of, I'd, I really lost my sense of self from the time I was very young. And so, and I think that's common for a lot of women, unfortunately, in our society, but um, yeah, I'd lost my sense of self in my marriage. And I, I got to this place where I'm like, okay, what is here for me? And it was radical responsibility and all of these buckets and holy shit. There were a lot of buckets that I needed to tend to because my husband was the one who used to tend to all of them for me. So when he was gone, there was no one to look at, but myself. And so I started to lean into sexual development. That's when I found Alexa, who you mentioned earlier, um, also known as that sex chick. And I hired her. I literally had no money to my name, realized that I had a little bit in retirement, emptied that. I did everything against the book. Like I had <laughs> no money. I was living in a tra- uh, a trailer RV park at the time, um, was making like pennies. And I just followed again a knowing and people could say that was stupid or irresponsible, but it's like, I just feel like I'm supposed to be in this program. So I came across her stuff, reached out to her and um, I will, I'll never forget it. I was sitting at a Starbucks and cause I didn't have Wi-Fi in my RV. So I had to walk to the Starbucks to get on the sales call with her. The program had already started like two weeks. So she was already doing me a favor by getting on the phone with me. And I remember saying to her, I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for this, but I feel like I have to be a part of this. This, my soul wants this so badly. So that's when I found out I had some money in retirement, emptied that out and, um, began her program, sex coaching program. And mind you, I'd been coaching a little bit at this point, um, mostly in inner child work and transformation somatics. And so I wanted to start shifting my niche into something more, um, sexual based while I was also learning myself. And this is just like the perfect example of following breadcrumbs in our lives because we always know what's best for us. The answer is always there. And if we don't have the answer, typically that just means we're missing some information. Like we need more time. We need to collect more data. Uh, we need to try something on to give our our body, our sense of self, something to work off of and base our answer off of. And so um, I started her program. And I think it was a nine month, 10 month program. And we're getting ready to round out the end of the program. And this was just at the beginning of the pandemic. So I'm thinking like, oh my God, I just invested all my money. The world is going to hell. Like no, we all, nobody knows what's happening at this point. And Alexa, she invited me over to her house, but this was back when we had no idea like how bad COVID actually was. 
And so we were sitting on opposite ends of this picnic table. Um, and she essentially offered me a job and said, listen, like I've seen the way that you showed up in this program. It's so clear that you love this work. I need someone in my business to help me. You can coach, but I also need your support in like marketing and sales. And uh, at the time, it just was, again, that full-bodied fuck yes. And and it's one of those moments where no amount of logic could have gotten me there. Like uh, no amount of dreaming and writing in my journal could have gotten me to the point where I was going to become a sex coach. I had no clue that that's what was available for me. I just was willing to say yes and embrace the change and embrace the part of me that felt the full excitement of what was to come. Mm-hmm. And I embraced that career for three and a half years. And it was so magical. I would not change a moment. I learned so much. The women I got to coach, the business that we created at her company, Sex and Love Co. I really feel like I got to be an integral part of that. And it was incredible. I mean, I I just, I remember being like all the time, pinch me that I get to go to play parties with dominatrixes and learn from shibari artists from all over the world. And this is my job. I'm getting paid for this. (laughs) Um, And then like, I think anyone who's been in this, you know, fork before the work didn't start to feel good anymore. And I gave it time because I didn't want to fall to the illusion of that. It's always supposed to feel good. I understand that as an adult, not everything's going to feel good all the time. And we go through death and rebirth cycles and sometimes things just need to shift. Um, But it kept not feeling good and it kept not feeling good. So I actually ended up leaving her company in November of 2023, thinking the answer was going to be, I'm just going to work for myself and I'm going to take a leap of faith. And maybe it's just that I'm not meant to work for a team anymore. And I just really want to know what I'm made of because technically that's why I hired her. So there was this part Mm -hmm. of me that was like, my soul's never going to be happy until I know if I can do this on my own. So I took another leap of faith and that week that I quit my job, I made more money in that week that I'd ever made in my entire career. I mean, it was truly transformational, the type of stuff that people tell you is possible, but I could only dream of. There was so much momentum and so much excitement around me working for myself that I just was in shock about the types of clients that found me. And it was so magical, but then that wore off. And six months down the road, I, again, still had that same gnawing feeling. And it just goes to show that, you know, money is not everything. And I remember feeling really disenchanted with the work. And there was this feeling of like, there's got to be something else here. And I didn't know what it was, but again, I just was willing to embrace change and start asking some really quality questions. So I started doing a whole bunch of things to shake shit up and I hired a business consultant. So that was one that could just help organize my internal dialogue and mess of all these thoughts that were coming up. Um, I went to an energetic workshop where they helped me get in alignment with the energy that I was emitting. I um, had a thousand conversations with close friends about what do you see in me and what do you think is available and and asking for their reflections. Uh, I cried a lot. I let my business and bank account drain to almost nothing. There was a willingness of just really, really willing to be at nothing again of like asking God or universe for support of like, I just really feel this is not it. And I need it. I need whatever's next to present itself. And so 
every time I did that, I got one step closer and one step closer. And I also, mind you, took a million odds and ends part-time gigs in the middle. Like I started doing part-time marketing work. I took on a few business clients. I um, was hired to do somebody's PowerPoint for a keynote presentation. Like I just, I was in my period of yes, being willing to say yes to whatever was going to come my way so that I could find the thing that was the fuck yes. And every time I tried something, it was like, that was, I liked a part of that, but it's not great. And I liked a part of that. And I'll never forget. I told literally one person that I was going to start looking for a team again. And that person happened to be Kelly, who was the CEO of Soulfire and my current boss. And I, I had a ping. I was like, I'm just going to text her. I have no idea why, but she's connected to incredible podcast hosts. And in my mind, the way, again, the logical mind kicked in, I was like, oh, she's probably going to be connected to some company that's hiring. And then she'll think of me. Well, it did not happen that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like six to eight weeks after I even sent that text message, she asked me for my resume. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't have a resume. <laughs> like I haven't worked in a job that needed a resume for 15 years, but I didn't say that. I go, of course, I'll get it right to you. And I use ChatGBT to put something together <laughs> um, and sent it to her. And then I think a week later, she texted me and said, I have a crazy idea. Are you open to a phone call? And I was like, fuck yeah, I love crazy ideas. Let's connect. And I just knew, I knew in that moment, I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm going to end up working for Soulfire. And we got on that call, had a, a initial conversation. And that was the catalyst for about a month of combos about you know what I'm looking for, what she's looking for. And we really took our time courting each other, which I thought was so beautiful because the past version of me was very trigger happy and would just make a decision mm-hmm. out of not wanting to be in the discomfort of the unknown. Yeah. Like a scarcity kind of. Totally. Yeah. Like, Oh, if I don't take this now, it's going to go away. And yep. I, I knew it. I had enough confidence in myself. I'm like, I'm resourceful. I can figure this out. If I need to buy more time, I can buy more time, but I'm not leaping into something out of, yeah, a reaction. And so um, it's a really cool story. I was at a bachelorette, um, going to Sedona and I'd never been, but I've heard how magical it is and the vortexes and the energy. And, um, I was in the car. We were hour one of the trip driving in from Phoenix to Sedona. And I got an email from Kelly with the official offer. And I'm in the car with like eight of my best friends. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, I just got the offer and they're all celebrating with me. And it's like Friday afternoon at this point. So I say to her, hey, listen, um, I'm thrilled, but I'm also going to take the weekend to just sit with this and I'll let's have a phone chat on Monday. And I forget about it kind of, you know, it's obviously present, but I'm not focusing on it and, with your girlfriends. And yeah, 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 exactly. We're, you know, naked in the rivers and <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> And, um, the last day of the trip comes around and we're at this place called local juicery. We went every day and got smoothies and stuff. So, um, I'm literally at this point, just like, I want to grab something and get in the car and like head out. I'm, I'm tired. And so I grab a juice, we pay, we get in the car. And so it's our, like the last hour of the trip. We're on our way to the airport. My girlfriend's like, can I have a sip of your juice? I'm like, sure. I hand it to her. And she looks at it and she goes, did you do this on purpose? I said, what? She goes, did you see the name of the juice you picked? I was like, what? She goes, look. 
and it said Soulfire across the name. <laughs> and in that moment, I just knew I'm like, I, I know I'm going to work for this company. This is the sweetest little sign. I sent a screenshot to her and she goes, I've been sending all my good energy to Sedona. <laughs> um, and then on Monday, I accepted the job and it's been literally like the most incredible energetic alignment doors opening other doors closing exactly where I'm supposed to be. And all because I trusted myself to just follow this process. Oh, I love that story so much. Thank so you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Oh, and I'm actually in Phoenix. Um, oh, so amazing. The local juicery. Like that. Okay. Yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I would also love to kind of, pivot a little bit because I know you've also had this journey in your dating life. Mm. Gotta love social media and the fact that I, I know this much, but the, I feel like it's almost kind of paralleled actually the career journey and you have this amazing partner now, but I know you went through a period, like you actually almost had like went through a cleanse of dating Mm. for a bit. So I would love to know kind of what that looked like, how it integrated in with the personal professional stuff, like all the things. Hmm. Where do I begin? I mean, you're right in that my dating life absolutely reflected my personal development. It was such a mirror of my insides. (laughs) Like whatever I was going through was exactly what showed up in my dating life. And so um, I fell in love very fast after my marriage ended. A lot of people don't know it. I kept it pretty private. It was very tender. Also, I was going through a lot of grief. Also, I just didn't feel like being fucking judged for finding someone immediately after my marriage ended. And um, it was a beautiful relationship, but it taught me a lot. And I don't regret a thing because he helped me to really like have the footing that I needed to, to leave my marriage and to feel stable in that. My therapist called him my branch and he was a beautiful branch indeed. Um, but after that relationship ended, I feel like that's when my real grief started, um, like where I really got to start the process of like, holy shit, I am actually alone now and I've got some shit to work on. And it really comes, comes back to that same core of radical responsibility where I knew I had a lot to work on in order to find the kind of man that I desired. And not to say like, I get we're all worthy of love as we are, but I didn't want to attract the same kind of partner that I had been used to. And in my marriage, I mentioned a lot of codependency, a lot of mm, manipulation. And uh, I didn't have a sense of self. So I was able to be very influenced constantly. Mm -hmm. And I also gave up a lot of responsibility and gave up a lot of my power in that relationship willingly. It wasn't like I was being forced and coerced into it. I said, I don't want to know our finances. I don't want to plan anything. Like you take all of that. Well, I got slapped upside the head with it when I was going through the divorce and had to look at every bank account that I didn't even know existed and all of this debt that we had acquired. And I had no clue. And so I basically just said, like, I've got to start taking a handle of that. And so I was really open to finding love. And there were honestly probably parts of, a journey where I felt really desperate and sad and lonely. 
So when I was desperate and sad and lonely, I tended to attract a man that was not worthy of my time and energy mm-hmm. and had to learn what that was like. And then there were times where I really wanted to explore sexually and I didn't want to fall in love. And so then I would attract really amazing sexual partners, but very quickly realized like, oh, holy shit, I can't have sex without an emotional connection. So I had to go through that process. And then um, there was one theme that kept showing up for me, which was that I kept attracting men that were long distance. And like, I'm telling you, it would be in the most obscure scenarios. Like I was at a concert at Red Rocks with Alexa, actually for her bachelorette party. And I happened to meet a man that we were all friends. He knew several of my friends. So it wasn't like a total stranger, but I met this man and he asked me on a date and I ended up extending my trip and staying in Colorado. And we fell in love and dated for four beautiful months. Um, But like it kept happening where like every man that seemed to find his way to me that I was interested in didn't live in Austin. And at the time I kept being like, well, maybe that's because I'm not supposed to be here. And I kept taking it as this sign But the hard truth was that I was unwilling to look at for a long time was that there was something about me that kept attracting men that were at a distance because I was also keeping men at a distance too. Like I was not fully emotionally available with myself. And so I kept attracting these men that weren't emotionally available either. So of course, I'm going to find the guy that we live in fantasy land. Like we see each other once every couple of weekends, it's total fantasy. We have hot sex. We only see the good parts of each other. We're together for three days, eat good food, drink good drinks, and then go on about our separate lives. Mm-hmm. And that was there was a part of me that was still attracted to that. And it wasn't until I really got brutally honest with until I heal this part and sit with this part that doesn't want a man here, I'm going to keep attracting these men that are half in, half out. And it was actually after that relationship in Colorado ended that I said, holy shit, I need a break. Like I, I need no men. I need to just cut all of these guys out and I need to really sit with like, what is my truth in all of this? Because I basically hadn't stopped dating since my marriage ended because I was, there was still this part of me that was afraid to be alone. And I knew until I slayed that dragon that I was going to keep bumping up against like really not knowing what it was like to not have any masculine energy in my life. So I declared to the internet that I was taking a 90 day break from all men and that I wasn't going to be on apps. I wasn't going to be dating. Like do not approach, like I'm not available. And of course, what do you think happened? I started attracting a ton of men. (laughs) Yeah, Quickest way to get a bunch to like come and just test, like the universe is testing you of like, do you, do you really mean, are you going to hold your ground? Are you going to hold the boundary or not? Oh yeah. And I, I did, but uh, there were many times where I was like, fuck this boundary. Like for example, (laughs) I went to this event, it was called the strong coach summit. And I I didn't know at the time that it was going to be literally like a hundred of the hottest trainers and like gym owners from across the country. It was literally, I was like one of like four women at this event. I'm like, God, why now? Why send me to this event where there's all of these really hot men that I can't talk to any of them? So I think it was like month one of the detox that it was hard. I cried a lot. And for anybody that's gone long periods of time without dating and you're comfortable, you're probably like, I don't get it. 
But this was literally a detox where like every part of me was uncomfortable, cleansing, shaking, purging. You're facing every single fear that was beneath being alone. And I feel like even if someone's at this point comfortable with being alone, they can resonate if they look back to like the first person. It was so deeply uncomfortable. I cried so much because I had this crippling fear that because it wasn't just about being alone. It was about if I'm not actively working to find this person, mm-hmm. they're never going to find me. Like I had this yeah. core belief that I had to always be doing something to get what I want and get what I desired. It's like a worthiness thing. It was, and it, it was deeply tied to achievement. There was this like mm-hmm. piece of, I must be achieving to be worthy. Yes. I must be doing something to be worthy. I must be doing something to get what I want. So, um, it was around month one, and I re- I'll never forget this uh, guy friend of mine, totally platonic, <laughs> sent me uh, a video, and he said, "You have to watch this. I just feel like this is for you." And it was this video from Abraham Hicks, and it was called "You've Already Ma- Manifested Your Partner." And I watched the video. I shit you not a hundred times. Like I watched it so many times because the moment I watched it, I thought, "Oh my god!" Literally, he just gave me the missing piece. And the video was all about how when we're in the energy of searching, there's this thing like we are lacking and we need something. And again, that energy of like, I have to go out and do something versus the energetic of it already exists. And there's nothing that I have to do. It's already finding its way to me. And she talks all about the energy of that. And she even coaches a woman in the audience. And she gives her this homework at the end of the coaching session of writing this person a letter as if they're already here and you're arm and already in partnership with them. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write this letter. I'm going to send it off. And then I'm done. Like, I'm not going to think about this person anymore. And I'm going to really use my detox to detox and focus on hobbies. And I started a writer's group and I did pole dancing. And it was just such a fun time once I got over the initial detox. And so it was such a magical day that I decided to do this. It was because I started my detox in February. And for those of you that have ever watched the news about Austin, we had these two back-to-back winters where we got snow. One was bad. I wasn't there, thank God. I got blasted. <laughs> we got fucked up. Um, I happened to be in Florida visiting family, so I was very lucky. But the second time we got snow, it was like light and we got there were flurries and it was beautiful. So I'm sitting in my apartment. I'd started this writer's group. So I was getting up really early every morning and I would light candles and I would put on soft classical music. And my apartment was so vibey. I just, I can remember the cozy feeling of just being like wrapped in the warmth of the sun coming up and it just the candle light and it was beautiful. And I sat down while the snow was coming down and I wrote this letter and I wrote it. It was channeled through me. I mean, I literally wrote this thing as if it was the easiest thing I had ever written. I was so clear on who this man was. I'd spent a lot of time thinking of him. And after the letter was complete, I closed it up and that was it. And fast forward, I get through the detox. I ended up actually meeting somebody really fast after my detox. And we had like a really short, fiery, beautiful connection that ended very quickly. Um, But then again, like I go on about my life and shortly after I met my partner, Eli. So um, it was, I think about six months maybe eight months after we had started dating, 
I was pretty confident after six that I was like, I'm pretty sure this guy and I are going to go the distance. (laughs) I'm like, I don't even know what that looks like yet, but (laughs) this man is, this man was made for me when, whatever that means. And, um, we were at this event and we'd had a really beautiful connection. We had talked about children and our futures together. And I said to him, I said, I want to read you my letter. I said, I've never, um, I've never felt so sure about you being this person until this moment. And I think it's time. And I even played the music that I was listening to as I wrote the letter. And we sat on this bed of this hotel room and I read the letter to him and we both just sobbed and we're like, cause this is it. Like I knew who you were before you even came into my world. And, um, from that moment, we've really been inseparable and we just celebrated one year together and we talk about babies and our wedding and we're moving in together in three months here in Austin. And well, congrats. Thank you. And I I also don't want to paint the picture that it has been easy by any means. Like there is ease in our relationship and it is beautiful. And it's also been the most wild triggering and painful experience at times. Mm -hmm. Um, The difference is, is he's the person I want to do all of that with. Yeah. You know, and I, I even wrote in our anniversary card. I said, there's no one I'd rather fuck fight or just like be with on a regular basis, because I believe you do choose the person that you're going to be in conflict with um, and grow with and love and, and see all of their wounds and they see yours. And he's taught me a lot about love and I'm so grateful for him. Yeah. That's such a beautiful, I love what you wrote in your anniversary card too. Cause I think that does it paint such a good picture for anyone who maybe is in that space where they're still trying to manifest or find their partner or whatever stage that they're in. And yeah, cause it isn't all sunshine and rainbows. Like even your soul person, it is going to be hard. And I think that circles back to what you're talking about with that radical responsibility to self. Like if you don't have that as a foundation, it's really tough to have radical responsibility within a partnership with someone else. Totally. And uh, one of my mentors, Annie Lala, who I think is the world's greatest love coach. Like if you're not following her, you absolutely should be. Um, and I use should intentionally. She talks about true love as a prism. And she said, you shouldn't be following happiness in a relationship. You should be following aliveness because true love acts as a prism and it creates like a rainbow effect of the spectrum of emotion. And so when you find true love, she's like, don't expect to be happy all the time. Expect to feel the full range, which is those really deep lows and shame and guilt and sadness and anger, but also bliss and orgasm and joy and dreaming. It's, you know, everything. And holy shit, have we found that within each other? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's so beautiful. Okay. So there's, before we wrap up, there is a question that I ask everyone on this show and it's because it's called human on the daily. It's about showing all aspects of your humanness. So, and I know we've talked a lot about on this show, so it might be a little tougher to find one, but what is an aspect of you that just makes you so beautifully human and perfectly imperfect that people may or may not know about? Mm. Oh, I got one immediately. I, um, I experienced this this weekend with my partner. So I think on Instagram, it's easy to look and see my partner. Um, his Instagram is Eli, the travel guy or Eli travel guy. He's got a huge travel blog and we travel as a, you know, our second date was in Italy. So like we love travel. We bond over that. 
Um, and I think it would be easy to look and glamorize our life and say like, oh, wow. So, and don't get me wrong. It's fucking amazing. I'm very grateful. <laughs> and um, one of the things that I do when I'm overwhelmed is I, I shrink and I get rigid and sometimes mean and travel for anyone who travels consistently, you know, that it is not very regimented. Many times it gets fucks up your plan. There's not a lot of structure. Things go awry constantly. And over the past weekend, um, we, uh, one of our flights got delayed and then I couldn't find food and I've got a couple of food allergies, which sometimes makes eating in like airports hard for me. And, um, when I'm overwhelmed, I do this thing and I'll tell him, I'll say to him, like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like I'm so overwhelmed by emotion right now and so tight in my body that I don't even know how to help myself. And the only thing I know how to do in that moment is like either retreat or cry. And we had a day like that and we were laying in bed and I was so overworked. I didn't even know how to help myself. And he could sense that. And he asked of me, like, what, what can I do? And I'm like, I don't even know. I just need you to hold me right now. And so I struggle constantly with my own rigidity and I struggle constantly with my own inability to just like go with the flow and relax. And of course, my soul chose a partner who is like the most go with the flow. (laughs) Um, I'm sure so that he could teach me how to be more of that. Um, But yeah, it's a part that I don't show online much. And it's a part that is really challenging for me. And um and it's a part that I also see as like my little girl that's just like dying for safety. And so, yeah, it's a part that I dance with often. And I imagine many people know as well. Yeah. I mean, I can speak for me. Like I can mirror that 100%. Like I actually, I have a spiritual mentor that I have invested in right now. And the whole purpose of it was to learn how to let go because I just feel like, I always feel like I want to use this visual of like, just fault, like folding in on myself. Like it's so, Ooh, yeah. weird. and the more I've dove into, um, internal family systems therapy, that kind of comes up to where it is like the protector and the controller. So yeah, exactly. Like you were saying, it's, it's a lot of that is the little girl inside of us that learned techniques, learned that rigidity as a way to try to maintain safety. And as an adult, it's like, I, I appreciate that. And like, I need to learn how to let go, but it is, it is a process and it is so fucking hard. So hard. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel, oh, I think my mic is on Yeah. And it's, it is like, I, I appreciate you sharing that because yeah, it's one of those things where it's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking someone's life is the Instagram highlight reel. Even if they are being more vulnerable and transparent about the not so pretty sides, like that, that kind of stuff it is like how do you even show that online like it's this weird balance yeah so totally <laughs> of course yeah i'm like i will keep it real any day <laughs> <laughs> okay well it was so great having you on y'all make sure to go follow brent i'll put all of her links in the show notes definitely check her out and thank you so so much this has been so wonderful mm, thanks for having me high five for taking some time out of your day for yourself to listen to this episode it is my hope that it makes you feel more seen and heard and understood because we are all human and being human is messy and imperfect and beautiful and you are beautiful 
So if this resonated, it would mean the world to me if you shared it on social along with your biggest takeaway and then tag me at moveonthedaily and hum- at human.onthedaily. Thank you so much and see you next time.